Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. And I'm here today with a friend and a special guest. Uh, Her name is Bella Gandhi, and she runs the Smart Dating Academy out of Chicago. Uh, She is nationwide. Uh, I have known her for, oh my, Um, Since 2013, we met at uh, a Match.com Relationship Experts Summit uh, here in Dallas. Hi, Bella. Hi. I'm so excited to be on this with you. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Uh, My listeners are going to be so excited. You you have such a neat career. Um, I've, I've so enjoyed following you. And there's not a kinder person. I love your heart and soul. And I'm so glad that you've had the success that you have. Uh, not only do you give great advice, but you're so real and down to earth. It just everybody's going to see that today. So uh, Bella has uh, the Smart Dating Academy, like I said. Uh, she's seen regularly on Good Morning America. Good job, girl. You're on there a lot, uh, especially over the holidays, which is so cool. Uh, and the Steve Harvey show, um, regular on the Harry Connick Jr. show, which he's so handsome. I don't know how you do it. Um, and <laughs> and uh, the now um, you're doing something with Kelly Clarkston out in L.A. as well with the, her show. Uh, I... I want to talk about, we're going to talk about a lot of things today because you and I are in the same business with coaching. Uh, You tend to um, focus on the online dating side, which I don't. So you're going to have so much information for everybody. Uh, But you're working on this project with Kelly Clarkston now. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Because this is really cool and I think very inspirational for any singles that are out there uh, widowed or divorced, uh, and are trying to make their way because it's changed out there, Bella. Hasn't oh, it? it sure has. And yeah, you know, that's what we help people to do is to help them to understand the change that's taken place in the last decade, two decades. Some of our clients come in and you know they haven't been on a date in a month, and some of our clients come in and they haven't been on a date in twenty years. So this whole landscape in dating continues to evolve, but current census data says that 48% of the adults in this country are single. So if you are listening to that, give yourself a woot because almost half of adults in this country are single. So if you swear to yourself and you feel like you're the last single person out there, I promise you that that is not the case. So much so that, like Jennifer was saying, I just went on the Kelly Clarkson show to help a woman who, you know, like many people out there, had some bad things happen to her. This woman was a single mom, uh, was married for 13 years to a man. They had two children. One of them had something called Rett syndrome, where the little one doesn't speak, right? So can you imagine that? After one day, she gets home with the two girls comes home to an empty house. He cleaned everything out and he left them oh for God. good. Oh my God. So she became a single mom um, who hasn't worked, right? So she's trying to navigate life. She gained 100 pounds, got herself thousands of dollars into debt, and obviously had no time at all to date. So Kelly Clarkson, first of all, is an amazing soul, kind, lovely, super down to earth, and wants that they do a lot of human interest stories, real life stories, now reality can TV. And they brought on what they call the 2020 Vision Squad to help her with her finances, with her body, to help her to lose weight, to feel good about herself again. And then I'm helping her to get back out there on dates. And on a side note, the trainer on it is Kim Kardashian's personal trainer that trains her every day. So they've really got, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great show with great heart. And there's stories about people, guys, that are just like us. Well, that's the, that's the thing. And I, I think there's a lot of people in that boat, whether again, they've been married for seven years, uh, 27 years, uh, you know, that, and Bella, you do it and I do it. I mean, the landscape changes daily almost. I mean, I'm, I'm of course exaggerating, but it, it's ever evolving. It's, you know, what we were talking about last year is still relative, but there's, there's new things. And I, I, you know, I, I, think anybody getting back out there, I love, I can't wait to follow the story on Kelly Clarkson. I think it's awesome. I think it'll be inspirational for a lot of people that are getting out there. And like you said, feel like they're alone 
uh, or they're starting a new journey, which should be exciting. Uh, but it should be inspirational to see, you know, that somebody can change their life again after, uh, you know, a marriage, um, a long marriage or relationship. So, um, so having said that, <laughs> we're talking about the dating landscape. Um, you know, I feel like we're a society, uh, you know, moving a lot toward uh, independence and freedom. And it seems like commitment is not one of these things that people are jumping into at all anymore. I mean, I, I, it's even though like you do online, I mean, it seems like even with people online that they, they get on there with the intention of meeting somebody, but then it's like this big smorgasbord of people and they start be, you know, and a lot is based on the pictures as you know. And so people start seeing these, you know, pretty people, whether it be men or women and uh, and they start getting you know caught up in that 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 superficial process versus you know looking for what's real. So talk to me about that because that's that's what I see more than anything. It seems like everybody's so superficial online. Not everybody, but the majority. It's very superficial. So how does somebody that is using that like it's their main tool for meeting people? How does somebody navigate? through that from your perspective, you're, you know, because it, it's, it's, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it is really hard. And I think, I think everything you said is, is spot on. Just, I like, you know, I'm a finance person by education and my first career before I started Smart Dating Academy. So I like looking at the data, right? The numbers show that one in three people today, one in three marriages take place because of online connections. And I wish I could see all of you listeners to put your hands up in the air if I ask the question, who knows somebody that has met, you know, a significant other or is in a happy relationship because of an online connection? You literally can't ask anybody that question without them saying, oh, I do. My great aunt, who's 84 years old, met someone on J-Date. Like, everybody knows somebody. But the thing that you have to do first before you dive in is you have to understand a few things about online dating. Number one, look at it as the world's largest cocktail party, okay? And that's a party that you want to be part of, right? But Again, world's largest cocktail party. There's going to be some of everybody there. There's going to be some skeezy, creepy people, and you're just going to walk on by those people. Then in the middle of let's call it like a bell curve, right? You're going to see all these normal, nice people. Some might be for you. Some might not be for you. But then at the other tail of that curve, there's going to be some amazing people that are probably going to end up being the lid to your pot. So you've got to enter this world's largest cocktail party with three Ps, patience, positive activity and perseverance, right? This is not something where you can have an Amazon Prime mentality for. And this is one of the biggest issues that I see people having, in addition to being superficial, is not only being superficial, but going on there and saying, oh, I like that guy. I'd like him delivered to my mailbox tomorrow in 24 hours, just like Amazon Prime. Right. That is not going to serve you well in this process. Right. So I love, I actually love that analogy uh, when you, so when you say that, so I see that a lot with women more so than men where they want things to happen and unfold in a certain way. So if the guy isn't communicating the way that she wants or in a timely manner that she wants, um, or exact at the end of the day, exactly how she wants, um, she right. writes, she writes him off. Right. So would you say that, that would you, do you find that more with women than men? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, and I don't think anybody would debate me on this, I think women, we are, I, being a woman too, I can say this, we are more complex, we are more textured, we have more, we have more facets to us in some, and you know, in most aspects, and I think every man on earth would agree that we're more complicated, complex creatures. And what I see in my coaching practice, which I started 10 years ago, is, yeah, women have a longer list of things that they're looking for. And we've also read romance novels since we're little girls, many of us. We've dreamt about what our wedding should look like. We read, you know, we read Harlequin romance novels. We have an idea in our head of how a romance should unfold. And a lot of it is driven by Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. Not even by anything practical at all. You know, I personally, so I've been coaching for 25 years. I'm old. Um, <laughs> um, but, not old. but having said that, you know, it, it, I think the thing that kills women the most 
is expectation. You know, the, and, and men too, but more so women, they come on and it's not about the list because I think the list is so important. I don't care whether you're online dating or you're matchmaking or whatever you're doing. You need to know what you want and what you're looking for. And you need to know the energy of that person, um, the personality of that person. You need to know all those things ahead of time, but have no expectation because it seems like women are, you know, are, are sizing these men up on a first date for marriage. Like, what I, can I see myself with him long-term? Can I see myself married to him? And that's not what a first date is for. And that initial, that initial connection, everybody seems to be rushing into it with expectation. And I think that's the biggest relationship killer. Like you said, though, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with the whole idea of this uh, unrealistic idea about what a relationship should be and how a man should court a woman and, you know, how that everything should unfold, uh, you know. And having said that, women are expecting all that. But then, Bella, um, how many women these days are expecting the men to be men and to lead the way and to do the asking out and to do the pursuing Yet so many women are not um, standing in feminine energy to allow it. Do you know what I? Do you know what I'm saying? One hundred percent, right? It's like we want them. I I say to my women all the time, you want a man who's a man reader, right. a mind reader, yeah. right? You want him to take the lead, but you want him to lead you exactly the way exactly the way you want to be led. Yes. If you want to be led, it's like, it, think about it in a car, from a car's perspective. And this is the metaphor I use with my clients. You can't have two people steering the car. Yeah. 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 Right? Somebody's got to take the passenger seat and somebody's got to take the driver's seat. And what I find, Jennifer, and I'm sure you do too with your clients that find happy, love, and healthy relationships, it's a couple where both people can take the driver's seat sometimes and both people can be comfortable in that passenger seat. But if you're telling me, ladies, I want the man to man up and call me and plan the date, then be okay with what he plans for you. Thank then you. Then don't come back and say, oh my God, how could he think I would want to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I love that. You are 100% right. So I love that analogy about driving the car because I, you know, I think that if two people, you know, they're about to go on a date and if they're talking about where they're going to go on the date and how they're going to get there and communicating that way and the, the person in the passenger seat is trusting the person in the driver's seat to get them there and they're agreeing upon that and they're and they're going to be in a state of if they're driving they're going to be in a state of allowing that person to drive everything could be so much easier and smoother it was that's the perfect analogy thank you for that i think everybody should use that before they go on a date but you have to know that person well enough and understand you know as from a woman's standpoint and i just went to uh, Bella, I was out with Stephen Speaks last night. I know you remember Stephen from 2013 over at Match. Yeah. Uh, he did a seminar here, and he was talking about guys and, you know, what guys want and very fun, fun uh, conversation. But he was talking about that whole masculine-feminine thing, too, and where, you know, men aren't allowed to lead anymore, and women have these attitudes coming straight out of the gate that um, that actually repel men uh, you know, women bringing their baggage in, men bringing their, men do it too. Um, everybody bringing their baggage in and it, and that energy precedes the person. Do you know what I'm saying? Even online, people can tell if you've got an attitude because um, I've seen people's chats before and, uh, and, you know, people have said, look, you're being a little assertive or a little aggressive with me, like, you know, and just, and people can read all that stuff. So, what uh, what advice do you give to somebody, you know, with that? Because you only have one chance online and you have a small window of communication from the beginning. Do you have any, I love stats too. Do you have any stats on like what the, what the patience level of people is, how long you have to capture somebody's attention online? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we do in our practice is help people to navigate exactly this because sometimes you feel like you're shooting blind and we overcorrect for a mistake we made last week, right? So ultimately, you when you're writing your online profile, number one, only be positive. 
okay? And be specific. Write fun little one-sentence stories about yourself or interesting, like a little list of bullet points about things that make you you, but they should be fun, they should be unique, and they should be positive. Never be negative in your online profile. Like, please do not contact me if your photos are not recent, if you're not employed, if you're still married. Don't put that negative energy out there because to Jen's point, guess what? When you put negative energy out there, who do you think is going to be attracted to that? Other negative people, right? So be positive, be fun, be playful in your profile and in your messaging, carry that same tone across, okay? Here's what I want you guys to do, and this is a mantra that keeps me and all the coaches on our team very centered in our work with clients. It's three words, assume positive intent. When somebody emails, texts you something, says something, and you might think, wait a second, that doesn't sound that nice. Hang on a second and tell your different tell yourself a different story. Assume positive intent for a second. I love Could they this. Be saying something else. I love that. Assume people are coming from a good place and answer in kind. Come from a place of love, right? Instead, we've got our dukes up. We've got our guns loaded. We are ready to fight. We are ready to take people down. We're ready to find you, trap you. It's like, hey, come on. You are trying to make a connection here, okay? If somebody is icky and they're insulting you or they're hostile or they're stalkery, absolutely block them, get rid of them. But other than that, put your best foot forward and don't be snarky or bossy or abrasive in your messages it sends across a very bad first impression and you have one chance to make a good first impression amen yeah and i i think because there are so many options people aren't going to sit around and wait for you to explain yourself so (laughs) i I, they're going to blow you off i'm looking look as part of our practice we're in our clients email in their inboxes we're looking at their profiles every single day we're in the weeds helping people to learn how to navigate and trust their own gut again not make mistakes and let in people that are narcissistic and if i see somebody send a Terse or an abrasive email to one of my clients, I'll assume positive intent, but when I can't see one, they're gone. They're history. Yeah, you know, uh, your website is smartdatingacademy.com and there are a lot of tools on there. Uh, I I love what you do. I love what you do because there's the majority of people, I mean, as a matchmaker, you know, there's a there's a smaller percentage of people that that want me, that need me to go do their choosing and picking and setting up all their stuff for them because they they don't have time or they don't make good choices themselves. But, uh, you know, the good majority of people are doing online dating. So we're talking to a lot of people here. Uh, you know, there's two things, if I, if I may say, in my history of helping people online. Number one, you just talked about the profile and staying positive. Uh, and I want to ask you a question about that. And I think the other part of it for people that uh, aren't great communicators, uh, you know, th- and I love that you handle their emails. That's awesome. Um, yeah, because sometimes they're fine in person, but it's just that whole, you know, what message am I sending across via email to somebody? But uh, but I think people don't know what to say. And Bella, we know that women need to be reaching out to men online. They can't just sit back and wait for men to come to them like, you know, they expect them to in the real world. They, they, you know, that the women have got to be active online and reaching out and sending emails. How many emails do you think women should send out a day or a week uh, to start having success uh, in their choosing uh, an, uh, a, you know, a mate? Well, here's what I will tell you guys. I have some pretty good data around this. The national average for a response to a proactive message that's sent is 10%. Wow. Okay. So now, if, when my clients tell me, well, I sent out one message this week. I was like, one? You, <laughs> you, like, okay, hang on a second. So we have our clients doing five a day. Now, stick with me here. Five a day times seven days a week is 35 per week. Okay. Now, if you say 90% of people on average aren't going to respond, 10% are, that puts you at about three to four people that you might be chatting with by sending 35 messages. 
okay? And you're probably sitting there, and maybe your jaws drop to the ground. But, guys, this is what it is. This is a game. It moves fast. You can definitely win this game. We help people do this all day, every day. But know the numbers behind what you're doing and why we're telling you what we're telling you is you have to be active on these apps, right? And, yeah, and, and not taking it personally. With three to four people in a given week, how many of those are going to ghost or flake, right? right? Assume that that's another 75% of them. So you have to pedal that bike hard to get dates. That is just the way it is. And it, and I, and people will ageist themselves, right? Like, oh, I'm 50 years old. If it, this is so much easier for 25-year-olds. I work with 25-year-olds. I can tell you unequivocally, it is common to every single person that is online. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, plenty of challenges, <laughs> whole different set of challenges in the tw- in the 20-something generation. Uh, but, but having said that, uh, you know, I think that whole idea of people not taking it personally, number one, if somebody doesn't answer back, And I think people being realistic, because I've also seen, you know, just because there's a smorgasbord of people online, Bella, how do you handle this? Because there's the idea of being equally yoked with somebody. I always use that term and it's, it can be very broad, but you know, if the hottest guys and the hottest women on there, you know, they're getting the most messages. So the chances of somebody like that messaging you back, unless you really catch their eye, are going to be slim to none. And so how do you go about uh, helping your clients figure out who they need to be contacting and making sure that they're staying realistic, right? I mean, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it with love, because I do mean it with love, but because I do talk about this. If somebody goes on there, and let's just say you're clearly 40 pounds overweight, but you're looking on there for somebody who's a perfect 10, goes to the gym every day, you know, and you're, you're, you're going for that, you know, and this is a lifestyle thing because obviously active, you know, somebody that's active and, and athletic is going to be super important to that person. That's, you know, that that's something they value in their own life. How do you coach people on that part of it? I mean, I'll call it like it is, Jen. If you are emailing tons of people and nobody is responding to you, you might be swimming out of your lane. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. It's easy. And I have these conversations all the time, right? It's like, this is what happens when people, when we're swimming out of our lanes, it's like, look, and it gets back to the online shopping mentality, right? Every, if I put Angelina Jolie or, you know, let's say whoever's like super hot right now, I don't know, whoever your type is. I used to use Brad and Angelina as, as examples, to your point, everybody, we have the same standards in general for what constitutes somebody that's attractive, right? And we're looking at a headshot. We're looking for facial symmetry. We're looking for certain things. Our brains are wired to look for certain attractiveness signs, right? We, this is 200,000 years of evolution at play. Now, that person, to your point, is getting overwhelmed with emails, the hottest person on the page, right? Now, if, if you're emailing the hottest person on the page, good on you. Your chances of getting an email back are like getting struck by lightning, right? <laughs> Find the other people that are cute to you, sound good to you, have the same interests you do. Look for that person. Almost take the contrarian approach. Look for the hottest person and ignore them. Find the others. Your odds will increase and you will start to get traction. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. You know, uh, that is funny because when I was younger, Bella, I remember being in this place where, you know, which we'll jump right into uh, your infographic of narcissism. I used to always end up with the narcissist (laughs) when I was younger. And so there came a point when I had to look and say, okay, this is my pattern. I keep going for the best looking, most charming guy in the room that every woman wants. So I'm going to change it up. And so I literally told my friends like, you know, that I'm not going for that guy anymore. So I'd always spot him. Like we'd go out and I'd, we'd walk in the bar and there's the guy. He's got all the women. And I said, that's the guy I'm not meeting tonight. <laughs> I was able to, to pick him out right from the start uh, and, and, and do exactly that. And then, you know, consciously say, that's not what I want. What I'm looking for is somebody who's interesting. Somebody who's interested in me, somebody who can, 
who wants to have a conversation, somebody who's um, less egotistical and, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then I'd, I'd go talk or I wouldn't go talk. They would come and talk to me, but I would put, I would put it out there. Right. So, um, so that's, I think that can be done in the real world too, not just online. Absolutely. You're so right. You couldn't be more right. Well, I, um, I, I love that. And thank you for, thank you for saying that and um, putting it out there so easily, because I, I think that is a great, um, a great way to look at it is find the hottest ones and leave them alone because they're the ones that are getting 10,000 emails and the chances of you even, you know, showing up, even if you yourself are, you know, they're a 10, you're a 10, you're, you're still slim to, you know what I mean? Like your odds are still down there. So let's, and I tell my clients this all the time, like, go ahead. You know what? It's like trying to win that $500 million lottery. Go buy your ticket. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) That's the same way you should look at emailing the hottest person on the page. And then so look at it with that mentality. And this really, I feel like when I say this, it sounds a little jarring. And if it does, I'm sorry. And I, I really mean it. Please don't take it personally. But at the end of the day, what I have found is with my clients, it provides them a lot of relief. Yes provide them with a rubric of how to do this. If nobody's emailing you back, you need to look in a different lane. Start emailing different kinds of people. You guys, I can tell you, I have been doing this for over 10 years. I've helped thousands of people find the lids to their pot. And every single time, every single one, love will come to you in an unexpected package. I now, love that. Yes, not one of them will go on a first date and tell me, oh, my God, the angels were trumpeting. I know this is it, though. I have met my match. No, it's usually me or somebody from my team going, well, I know you're not feeling chemistry with this one, but he meets all of your criteria. I think you should go out with him again. And I think you should go out with him again. And suddenly by date four, date five, date six, date seven, that chemistry, something sparks it over the line. That is how good true love is found, guys. I love it. And you know what? Thank you and amen. I I think the statistics are that it takes three dates before they're, like if it's a real connection, before that real connection can be made. And I have the same issue in matchmaking. You know, people go, oh, I really like that person. We had great conversation. We were on a date for two hours or four hours. I really liked them. We had a lot in common. I just didn't feel any chemistry. And that whole, you know, that whole uh, concept of chemistry, people don't know what that is. I mean, that chemistry is something you can't put your finger on. It's something that takes time. It's something that it's not like magical fairy dust that's, you know, sprinkled on you on a first date. That's called infatuation and attraction. But true chemistry is something that you feel in your soul for somebody. And 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 those kind of soul connections take time. So if you had a good time, like you said, if you had a good time, go on a second date. Forget the chemistry thing initially because it's not, it doesn't, it's not always going to show up right away. And if it does, it definitely is something I think that can take people off course. You know what I mean? Look, here's, I'll give you another little pithy Bella saying, lust is nature's way of tricking us into attachment. You can have lust and chemistry with lots of different people. It does not mean they are good for you. Right. I, I love that. No, that's so true. So let speaking of good for you, um, we were just talking about the whole uh, breaking the whole narcissistic uh, deal. There's, I mean, I I think we could safely say, Bella, we probably live in a world that is uh, not everybody's a narcissist. Everybody thinks everybody's a narcissist, but everybody's not a narcissist. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of ego driven people. There's a lot of um, you know, there's a lot of people out there like that. But not everybody's a narcissist. But you know, with social media and all of the, you know, all of the selfies and and the generation we live in, look at me, listen to me, we are creating more of that narcissistic personality. Uh, So you have a really neat infographic on your site. uh, And I, uh, I went to the site and downloaded it. And, uh, and, um, and I, uh, you can go smartdatingacademy.com and do that. But let's talk, you have this great infographic and it talks about the uh, seven stages uh, or seven signs of uh, clues, hold it, seven clues that you are dating or in a relationship with a narcissist. This is fun. A narcissist is a big topic now. So let's talk about number one. 
typically they're very charming. They are so charming. They are socially dynamic. They know they know how to reel you in, right? And they can be very well dressed. They are often charismatic. They are life of the party kind of people. Now that's not to say that every person who's well dressed, charismatic, socially dynamic, life of the party is a narcissist. But again, if somebody is too good to be true, chances are there's some more that you need to look at under the hood, right? And if you if you look at it this way, narcissists differ a little bit than somebody that just has a big personality because they want to be at the center of attention and they want to really dominate conversation. Yeah, they want everything. That's interesting. They want everything to be sur- uh, 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 revolved around them. You know, in, in this infographic, I was just noticing it says 10 to 15% of the popular are actually considered clinically uh, narcissistic. And, um, and it's, it is interesting from a clinical standpoint that the narcissist, it's, I, I always tell people, you have to look at this like a mental illness. You know, you've got sociopaths, you've got, you know, serial killers, you've got people that have real, um, a, like something in their brain is, is not wired correctly. And the clinical narcissist is the same way. And they're, they're doing a lot of research to find that, you know, that's the case. And that's why so many narcissists, they're, they're, they can't change. You know, you, there's some narcissists that will never change because their brain is wired that way. And even though you can point out things to them, it's not something that, you know, they can necessarily see. If they're colorblind and they can't see red or blue, you could point to it all day and say that's red and that's blue, but they can't see it, <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. That's true. And typically, you know, people will ask me, well, Bella, what happens if a narcissist becomes your client? Well, narcissists would never become our clients because you know why? It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. They don't need me. They they got it covered there. <laughs> oh, they don't need a coach. You don't need a coach. I don't need a coach. Exactly. Uh, so number two is they're they're selfish. Um, we it kind of goes with number one. Me me me. Right. Yeah, and again, it's it's good to be a giver, but sometimes givers are magnetized towards takers or narcissists. This is my simplified way of saying it. And But people that just continue to take and take and take and take from you and are very selfish and they never give back, it's, it's a big sign that you're dealing with somebody who is just never going to be made happy and, more importantly, never truly going to make you happy. Thank you. Until you are empty, until you're, the bottom of your cup has a hole in it. Forget about your cup being full. It's, it's so empty, you've worn through the bottom of the cup, and they'll still tell you it's not enough. There's still something wrong with what you've done. Right, right. Yeah, no, it definitely uh, it definitely leaves some uh, emotional scars after they've, they've uh, gotten out of your life. That's why the sooner the better. Um, and then number three is they have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, which we just talked about, me, me, me. Um, number four, they need constant compliments. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the person that needs to be fed, um, you know, constantly uh, from the outside in because exactly. because at, at the end of the day, the, that person, that narcissist is lacking self-confidence and self-love. Totally. Right. I mean, extreme narcissism comes from extreme low self-esteem, right? Sometimes we can't pick our families and things happen to us and we don't have self-esteem and we, you know, and we travel along that narcissistic path, right? But ultimately, because it's born out of low self-esteem, they need constant compliments right? They'll never give you one, but they need to know how amazing they are, how amazingly hot they are, how amazing they did at this, how wonderful they are here, but you will get nothing but criticism and contempt back. Right. It's that guy that says, or girl that says, you never say this about me, or you never tell me this. And um, that's, uh, that would be a red flag. Uh, Number five is zero empathy. Uh, I, I find this interesting because they say that the narcissist you know, will never, ever have empathy for somebody. And I feel like, you know, I guess a true narcissist, they say, won't feel compassion or empathy. However, I do feel like there's some narcissists that can, that can get glimpses of it, but they just, they don't, they really cannot put themselves in 
the other person's shoes, that they may get a glimpse and say, ooh, that's yucky, but then they feel it and, oh, I didn't do that to you, and then they turn it, you know? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Completely, completely. I mean, typically, like, if you think about, you know, people that have zero empathy, right? I mean, maybe, you know, they're the kind of people that are cruel to animals, but again, they have no, it's the person who can't put themselves in someone else's shoes. Right. Right? Like, if I, you know, I might be mad, and I might want to say to my husband, like, blah, 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 and just, you know, really let my feelings out in a way that's really hurtful because I'm wounded at that moment, but I can look across the table and say, how would I feel if someone said that to me? Right. I wouldn't like, let me change course here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be, um, and that's that is a very hurtful trait of the narcissist is not having that empathy. Uh, and then rage is number six. Um, do all narcissists have rage? Many, many narcissists have rage. Again, when we don't comply, which long term, you can't comply with everything a narcissist wants because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. They will become rageful or volatile or angry, or it may be a silent rage. It may be the silent treatment they ghost you. There's some sort of rage. Uh huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, you know, I personally think, and this is just again me thinking out loud. But I think the rage sometimes can be centered inward where, you know, if it's not, you know, if it's not, if it's not expressed, that that rage could be something that they feel, uh, they feel inside Um, that, and then the actions, you know, the blaming and all the stuff that goes along with it, the gaslighting and turning things, all of that stuff um, comes from that inner rage of, you know, not, you know, not having that love and self-acceptance. Uh, so I like that word for that reason that it, that I think it could be expressed either way, outwardly or inwardly. Uh, and then, um, and then number seven is blame, which we were just talking about. And that's the whole turning it around, right? I didn't do, I, you, I may have done this to you, but you did this to me. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's called in in psych circles, it's called gaslighting, right? They sort of make you feel like you're crazy. They said something rude to you, but then they turn it around on you and you're like, wait a second, you said that to me. Oh, but wait. But then they'll bombard you and criticize you and insult you and blame you to the point where you're like, wait, am I crazy? Did I say that? So it's, it is, it's just a big, awful mind game. You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, you look at relationships with uh, people that are, you know, addicts, uh, and then you look at relationships with people that are narcissistic, and they almost of they almost operate from the same premise in that, you know, the alcoholic, the drug abuser, you know, they live in their own world, and it, you know, the person that's in a relationship is constantly in chaos around them, trying to fix them, trying to do this for them, trying to make them see the light, trying to help them, you know, all the, all the chaos that they have to live through uh, in that addictive relationship. It's almost the same with the narcissist. The narcissist is sitting at the center. They're always right. They're calling the shots. And um, there's, there's so much chaos in the life of the person around it. It's, it's the the narcissist the narcissist is unaffected because they they lack empathy and all of that stuff they're completely unaffected yet the person that's in the relationship with them it, are constantly in a state of chaos in their mind and right. heart spiritually emotionally right so true isn't that crazy how it kind of it kind of uh mirrors the other that that same uh in a in a small way it's it just has that same effect on somebody which is why we need to find healthy people, you know? And can somebody spot a narcissist online, Bella? How would they do that? Yeah, I mean, you can start to, I mean, it's harder, Jen. Like, you have to, and there are certain red flags, right? When somebody is really negative, you know, just kind of terrible in their messaging. Um, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I don't know why you'd have that photo of you up on the boat. You don't look that good. Like, oh my God. really? Wow. Who says that to somebody, right? But ultimately, it's harder. You've got to have a little bit of an interaction with a narcissist. And when we put people through our coaching program, we have red flags broken out by phases of dating. Date zero to 10, 10 to 20, three to six months of exclusivity. So there are this 
distinct patterns and red flags that you can see when you are dating a narcissist. We have clients, when we when they meet with us for the first time, and they are opening up the handbook of red flags, and they will literally look at us, take a deep breath, close it, and be like, where was this 15 years yes. ago? Like, yes. this, every single red flag happened with my two exes. Everyone. You know, Bella, so here's, here's the thing, you know, I, yes, there are a lot more narcissists now, I think. Um, and if almost 50% of the population is single now, uh, we are definitely, uh, we definitely are going to have more trending in regards to dating. Right. So, but here's where I feel like a lot of people go wrong and, uh, you know, I'm, again, from the matchmaking world. So it's, I'm getting feedback from real life dates and you're getting feedback from online dating and you're the pro there. I don't think people listen. I think people, they go out on a first date, a second date. They, they're trying to make that person like them versus really asking the right questions and listening, you know, to people. Because in my world, people tell you everything you want to know about them if you just listen and you stop talking and you ask the right questions and you listen. Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. You know, if you think about the old adage, right? God gave us one mouth and two ears. What do you think he wants us to do more of? Amen. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, and, and it and I do I threw this question out on social media and a lot of people did say, you know, a first date's you know, to be more superficial, you know, it not to, and we just talked about this on my last podcast. Do you ask, you know, questions about somebody's past, about their past relationships, you know, what happened if they're divorced, uh, you know, et cetera. And I'm all for those questions. I, I, those are the things that I would want to know. I don't care about what the weather's like or what you did last weekend or the best concert you ever went to or the best city you ever traveled to. I care about who you are. I want to know what made you and got you here and what you're looking for and what you've learned along the way. Uh, that way, you know where you're going with somebody. So talk to me about your philosophies in regards to that, because you do this a lot. <laughs> so, and you give advice a lot. So what, what, are your, uh, what are your tips on a first date? You may be different and it's okay if you feel differently than I do. Yeah, you know, what I tell my clients is the first thing, it's, it's process of elimination, right? At first, we're looking for any red flags to screen someone out. But for the first few days, develop a connection with someone, right? Get to know this person. Do more listening than talking. And you can ask good questions, to your point, that can draw people's real stories out. When people feel like you're listening to them, like truly actively listening, there's nothing more sexy and seductive. And the other good part is that they're going to like you, number one. And number two, they're going to really tell you their real stories. And so what I tell my clients is keep it as light as you can, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to make it super serious and super negative. And our rules or first dates are typically short and sweet, 60 to 90 minutes. Keep it easy breezy. See if you find places to connect if the conversation is easy. Then on the second date, you can ask a little bit more. On the third date, more. So just kind of keep pace with that because from my standpoint, like if we put everything out on the table right away, it doesn't leave much to be discovered after that. And look, if you're over over the age of 30, you have stuff. We all have baggage, right? Every person. I've got it. Every one of my clients has it. It's just a question of what is that baggage. So know that everybody's got it realistically. Try to connect with the positive parts of someone. Yeah, nobody person. wants to hear your baggage on a first date. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Leave it at home. Leave your bossy, abrasive, CEO self, you know, high maintenance person, leave him or her at home in the closet, right? Go to the date looking to be the best version of yourself. And that's a positive person who's interested in other people and interesting. Right. And, and allowing that conversation to just develop, because I think, you know, so many people go out there with interview questions, basically, like they're going on an interview and people have said, like, I felt like I was being interviewed or, you know, and, or, but that connection is built from a connection with something. And if you don't reveal your heart and your soul or something vulnerable about yourself, 
then you're not going to, it's all going to be superficial and nobody's going to feel like they've connected. And, and the key to making connections with people is getting deep somewhere, positively deep, but deep somewhere. Um, And yeah, you can tell your story, even if you are divorced or broken up with somebody, you can tell your story, like you said, in a positive way. And if you have to practice, you know, coming up with the teeny weeny short version of it, you know, that's great. And what you've learned from it would be a great way to connect with somebody. You know, we, you know, whatever the story was, we broke up for this reason or we divorced for this reason. Um, But out of that, I learned this about myself and this about myself. Now, you know, now this person gets a glimpse into your, your soul a little bit, and maybe they'll feel more open, you know, to be able to open up to you and tell you a little bit about them. But that's what makes the connection is that, you know, you're, you're, you're revealing things about yourself, you know? So uh, I feel, and I think too, Bella, you know, you, we give men and women different advice, but men don't have these kind of conversations with their guy friends. So they sit around and talk sports and, you know, whatever it is that they talk about. Women talk about their feelings all the time with their girlfriends. It's nice and refreshing when a man, and Bella, I know you know this because you have these conversations with men, and you sit down and talk to them and they feel so close to you because they got to tell you about their feelings and they got to talk about something that, you know, may have hurt them or, you know, they struggled with, but they could be open and honest with you and they feel a connection with you because of that. If that could only happen on a first date, that would be amazing. It doesn't have to be huge, but something, right? Totally. And this is what I tell women a lot of times, you know, men, you know, a lot of women will say, oh my gosh, he, you know, he didn't come up for air. He didn't ask me one question. And I said, ladies, like, look, sometimes the real first date is the second date. Okay, let's take it with a grain of salt. The good news in that, again, assume positive intent. He felt really comfortable sharing his story with you. And to what Jen said earlier, it's 100% true. Guys don't sit around having these kinds of chats with other dudes, right? As soon as they're around a woman, they tend to feel more they feel more open and you might be the first person he's opened up to in weeks or months. I love that. Yeah. And value that and cherish that. So instead of saying, he didn't ask about me at all. Okay. Let's see what happens on the second and third date. If that kind of, you know, unilateral conversation continues, then try to redirect it and see what happens. And if he just changes it back to himself again, well, then he may not be a good relationship. Bella, that is awesome. I have to tell you out of, I mean, you've given some amazing advice and this is such a, this is such a big deal. Like when you say, I can't tell you how many men and women say, well, I didn't feel listened to. They didn't ask one question about me. I love the way you redirected that. That is, that is golden. And I hope everybody heard that because maybe it is that that person felt so comfortable with you. I've never, I've never thought of that myself. Guilty. Um, I, uh, I, I, of course, give the person the benefit of a doubt as to why they, that may have happened. Um, and Bella, I have to tell you, have you ever, uh, has any of your clients ever recorded their dates before for you so you can no. hear them? I had a client do that recently for me. It was so awesome. He, he literally turned his phone on and um, had it sitting on the table on a date and, and recorded it. And the things we were able to learn from that were unbelievable. I mean, just from the standpoint of conversation, and I was able to point out things that he was doing or not doing, and then he could go back and listen to it and hear it. It was so, but but based on what he told me about the date, and then when I heard it and was able to give him feedback, it was like two different dates. And so I think Holy so. Holy cow, that is so amazing. It was, I mean, the, actually the clarity of the, uh, the recording was really good too. And, uh, and of course she had no idea, but, um, but having said that it was, it was really nice, but it was very, uh, telling that, you know, people leave a date and they may say, well, they never, you know, like he said that she asked me so many questions. She was so interested in me. You know, she took a lot of interest in me and I went back and listened to it. And I said, that girl could have talked to a wall. You know, she was talking about herself the 98% of the time. And if she asked you a question, it was only because it was, you know, oh, I went here. Have you ever been here? <laughs> you know, and wow. um, and so had him go back and listen, and then he was able to look at it differently. It was really cool. But I think the takeaway in all of that is 
like you said, you've got to give it a second date because that is just your perception. Maybe that's not what happened. Maybe that's just what you felt happened because that's happened to you before, you know? Yeah, so true. Well, boy, what a what a bless, what a what a bonus that you got to really hear that date. None of us, very few of us, ever get to hear that with our clients. I have to tell you, if there's a way to have somebody do it, is it was it was definitely. Um, it was so helpful for him. Um, and then I was able to coach him around that afterwards. It was really cool. You got to consider it. Uh, these, these phones now are pretty advanced. So, uh, the, the, um, even in this restaurant that was, you know, fairly loud, I was able to get a great, um, recording. So anyway, um, you know what? I, I really, I know I only have so much of your time and I, Thank you so much. Um, it's been, we could probably sit and talk for three hours uh, about, you know, this this stuff and and give people good information. We should, we should do, we're going to do a part two, but I'm going to do it when I can come out to Chicago and do it in person. Um, so uh, that's, uh, that's my, I left my favorite city. If it wasn't so cold, I would live there. <laughs> oh, it is so fun. Chicago would be a much prettier place if you moved here. Oh, you're, I love you. You're so sweet. I absolutely love your spirit. I cannot recommend Bella enough. Um, if Bella has team members that are coaching with her, I would trust them implicitly that she has trained them uh, to her standards. Um, she is uh, she is an expert in her field. I am uh, I am honored to know you and to have had you on our podcast. Uh, and again, her uh, website is the Smart Dating Academy. And uh, and please um, keep me up to date on your uh, Kelly Clarkson deal with your uh, makeover. When do you plan on when does when when is her unveiling? Um, the first segment's going to air right after the new year. So it should be, it should be awesome. And for those of you who want to keep track of it too, feel, feel free. Follow me on Instagram. It's just at Smart Dating Academy. We'll be, uh, we'll be posting updates about that and lots of dating tips as well. So. Yeah. And you do a lot of dating tips. You're, you have so much great information. I also love your analytical mind. I mean, from from one nerd to another like that. I'm I'm so statistically based. Like so people can come at me with stuff all day and I'm like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> here's Literally. what the numbers say. So um, what the numbers say. Yeah, absolutely. I, so oh, this was such a highlight to my week. Thank you for having me. I love you to pieces. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving and uh, thanks for being here. My pleasure. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week, we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.